is Katie, and this is Classically Black Podcast. Where we talk all things classical music and being black in the profession. With trap beats playing in the background. Hey, y'all, y'all in my house. Uh, some of y'all are. <laughs> all right. Hey, Patreon. Yeah, so <laughs> we launched our Patreon today. And so this is our first episode on video. So, yeah. It'll be so iconic. We, should, we never got any footage in my apartment like once 168 give street man apartment okay not you <laughs> i mean i don't live there somebody do <laughs> <laughs> well you figure out which rochester and then i mean i mean <laughs> really katie that's not gonna be I the mean, hardest first of all and also gibbs and also the school we went to both I mean, of us. It could be a silent, it could be a, a silent G in there somewhere. All right. All I'm saying is we should have got um, that would have been. Like, I mean, we do have a mukbang in my kitchen. Oh yeah, true. That whatever the heck that was. It was cute. I feel like I'm gonna go back and watch it. I feel like it was cute. I feel it like was just it was random really, in the. It was random. Yeah. But we was trying everything. Like that's what you gotta do. I feel like you just gotta throw darts at the wall sometimes. Like. Oh. Don't I freaking know we're still doing it? So, girl, I don't even know. But I'm excited. We need to come up with a. We need to come up with a name for our Patreon. Like I know, the friend zone calls it the gated community. I want something like that. <laughs> okay, the Ebony yeah. Tower. <laughs> that kind of eats. That kind of eats. Let's do that. Okay, hey y'all from the from here from the Ebony Tower. <laughs> yep, I you got it. Exposed, like I'm supposed to be a disembodied voice. Not too much. I mean, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> like normally, I'm in my bed. Like I had to think about like how I look. I mean, I ain't think that much. I was about to say, but, here, you know, how I did over here. I'm looking just as busted as I would be. I would, okay. I would probably be in the bed though, to be honest. If we wasn't hey, on video. I, I record from I mean, normally I have like a disgruntled puff that's left over from the day that's like whatever, but I washed my hair this morning. Okay. Um, because I'm gonna do some twists. I'm gonna do some mini twists by my hair, which I'm very excited for. Cause my mini twists always look so bad. Like I'd be so confused. Like I have, I don't think my hair is dense, but I have a lot of it. But when I do mini twists, they look like shriveled up pieces of nothing. Like they look so bad and they unravel. So I'm looking for, I got some weed. Oh yeah, I wanna see? Okay, yeah. not 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 you bringing props <laughs> in to entice people. <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna do some mini twists. I think they're gonna look so cute. I hope they do. Um, Cause I am not going with my hair to. Uh, my hair doesn't do well in humidity. Like it just it shrivels up. Like it just soaks up all the water. Probably cause it's dry. Mm. So I need to do something to it before I go to spoil. Okay. Well. Anyway, let's get to it. Yeah the news this week there's not much so that's fine i mean how do we top good old chike all right here he well i mean yeah there was another concert interruption not nearly as oh i heard about that <laughs> anyway not nearly <laughs> as that um but yeah there was a whole thing at the philadelphia orchestra um where the orchestra was actually stopped twice um because of cell phone interruptions um i didn't know that he stopped the, the orchestra twice but basically yeah, um 
it was about a minute into the third movement of Bruckner 9. Um, and then Yannick Nazesagan, who's the music director, he stopped it and he restarted the movement. They said almost like that same exact <laughs> time that it did the first time. Um, a phone rang again, which is crazy because like, I mean, I don't know the makeup of their audiences, but like the general consensus that a lot of older people go to class classical concerts, like they love ringtones be loud too. They be mad loud. And were you talking about it on Twitter how like how loud phones are? Like they the volume increases based on like your age. Like my grandma's phone do not be on silent on vibrate. She would not hear it. Like it'd be loud. Yeah. Like and a lot of them like the technology is new like you have to figure out like how to turn it off like I, I i remember my kids had a little showcase it was so cute they paid like three things it was like five minutes long and a, the, the grandma's phone went off she's like well I, ta- I thought i turned it off and her husband's like you ain't doing good enough like they were like <laughs> 70 you know like it freaking happens like yeah i feel like yeah i feel like it's, <laughs> it's a hearing thing and it's also like age-wise like how attached you are to your phone i feel like older people like my stepdad forgets his phone all the time it's always somewhere else or dead or like whatever because he's not like thinking about it it's not like a part of him like it is and so i feel like they their phone is ringing to like remind them whatever and then yeah somebody else was like yeah my phone's always on vibrate i'm like see I'm always, my phone does not make any sound. It does not vibrate, does not anything, but I'm on my phone enough that like, cause I, I check my phone. So I feel like that's what, how it corresponds with age. Um, but the second time it rang, which also ironically, they were in Verizon hall, which I was like, <laughs> okay. Integrated marketing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Stunt. Um, Listen, Sprint should have hopped on that and been like at Sprint. Okay. Like, Who's working? At, who who working here? I don't know if that's on their radar. Slow news I mean, day over true. there. Um, but yeah, he stopped the concert and was like, "Can we live without the phone for just one damn hour?" Um, and then apparently he went on to say that the audience paid money for a certain kind of experience and that your phone could wait. Um, and yeah, I mean, he sound fed up. I think he said it was like the fourth time although what I read said it was the second time but maybe I mean he he be conducting so much I'm sure this has happened to him several times so what are your thoughts on it on what he said I have I have several you said what I have several oh really yeah <laughs> I don't know a concert girl so like I mean cut your phone off but also nobody i feel like nobody intends to have their phone ring during a, a concert so it's kind of just like it is what it is like it, it's an accident it's also very embarrassing it's, to like yeah i feel like on one hand like not everybody can have a phone on silent which it's an argument to be like why are you going to a concert but like people can't enjoy things like not everybody can have a phone on silent and people forget um but then also on the other hand oh also okay to defend the phones there are to me like there are so many more frustrating things like that happen like in an audience to me phones are like at the bottom of the list like especially like i don't it's so distracting because like from from memphis symphony the veils on the outside 
So I be feel like I be hearing everything. I be hearing stuff that I've never heard before. And maybe because like no tea to Eastman, but like it's really hard to fill up that hall. And people wasn't really going to our concerts like that. So when you're playing to a full hall, like literally I be, I be wanting to be like, I'm, I'm right here. The audience is like five feet from me. Please shut up. Like, why are you, you think you whispering? I hear every, it is so, and I'll be looking around, looking dumb. I'll be like, y'all don't hear it. Like everybody's just playing. I'll be like, it takes me out of what I'm doing. Cause I'm just like, y'all don't hear this. Like any whisper, you could be whispering in the back of the hall. I mean, shout out to Canon. The acoustics are amazing. You could be whispering in the back of the hall. I don't care where you're going to lunch after this. Like it's so distracting to hear people whispering and then the people who like I, I mean I, it's always bad to like have a cough during like a very quiet in a quiet space but the dude who was hocking up a lung like during the first move the shots coverage last week the, to me like I'd rather hear a phone like I'd rather hear a phone like okay, but a that, cough is different it's like also like random sounds that a hall might make sometimes where like are jarring like that you know my man my mind's going to a mass shooting like it's there's so many things i don't care about no phone like and during i feel like what movement was it which movement in the track five is slow second the third is it the third second it's second. second okay so we must have been going from second to third and and a phone went off right before right as bob raised his hands he like rolled his eyes and then like kept going because like it, it's a, it can't break the mood it can take you out of it but also, I just feel like we live in a world where, like, that's almost inevitable. Like, if you, like, sit in a room, like, like it's so loud everywhere you go. It might be air conditioning. It might be, like, if you listen quiet enough. Like, you know how when you learn about uh, that piece 433? And, like, you that's when I re- finally realized, like, one of the times I finally realized, like, how loud just life is. Like, the lights, the fluorescent lights, like, people outside on the quad. Like, so... To me, a phone is like the least of it, but I get it. Yeah, I like, mean, I feel like I got more. I could see a, a cough more than a phone, just because yeah. I feel like like that's you got a cough. Yeah, like it's low key involuntary. Like, oh, um, yeah. I'm not really pressed about it. Like I said, like I just feel like nobody is going in here. Yeah, I'm about to turn my phone yeah. up. Go on TikTok. I'm saying everybody like, call me. <laughs> like. <laughs> I remember like we were playing some piece of undergrad and it was like a quiet moment like one of them deafening quiet moments where like you don't move until the next thing or camera and during the rehearsal like during the dress rehearsal somebody coughed and Dr. Block was like you better die instead of coughing that moment and I would never forget because Dr. Block like you making that face listen I would defend Dr. Block to my dying breath like he is dramatic it's all three theatrics like he's just a dramatic person i love him dearly that man has done a lot for me but he's like you will die instead like and i thought it was just so funny because it's like that's why i always notice like i mean obviously like please like first of all i think like a video went viral a couple months ago of this dude going to nutcracker he was like this is what you need to go to nutcracker you need to wear this and people were, were saying like just please come like that's all we want you to do is come like i think people should come to our concerts and like I love seeing like low key like the call with hall is kind of fun. Like y'all come out for shots COVID, okay? Like I see you. Like I want you to come, but I always notice I'm always like more sensitive to coughs because I remember that moment. Like he was like die, and also I was really concerned for that one man because like is your lung still intact? That's what I want to know. Ain't no way it's not wrapped around, wrapped around like that cough. Yeah, but I feel like phones are like not a distraction to me as much as like. 
please stop talking during concerts. It's so de- please stop whispering. It's not quiet enough. Don't even think. Just listen. Like it's so loud. I remember that time. It might have been when we were doing track five, but it was something like super, super slow, like um and quiet. It was like fading out at Eastman. And it was during the concert too. And one of the horn players dropped their mutes and they were on risers, so it went boom, boom. No boom, way. Boom. <laughs> so bad for her oh i felt so bad for her because it's bad Did enough she get in trouble? Drop, i mean that's about what it chewed you out like the mute like, thing i get but it's like we have we've had how many rehearsals that's never happened yeah like it's an accident like <laughs> like nah, i'm just stuff like that i just feel like why something that someone would never do on purpose who wants to be embarrassed like that yeah no i agree i'm just saying like i've seen people get chewed out from me especially like what's the one um right of spring where all the mutes flying around he's like fix the bloody mutes because everyone kept dropping them but to be fair it's like 20 everybody got 20 mutes yeah. like they didn't make it like a transformer mute or something yeah y'all gotta figure it out i'm telling you like i was telling i was talking to uh angelica and i don't know like the brass section came up and i was like so when we played Brown's Requiem, I was the the way the seating worked out, the brass were behind me. And I'm like, I'm just sitting there like we are this is a professional orchestra. I'm like, how do y'all get away with this? Like the amount of ruckus that happens in any given brass section. Like I like stuff like they they kiki keying and having a good time. Like this is what happens all the time back then. That's what y'all be doing. Like it's so funny. It's like it's mutes. It's laughing. It's jokes. Jokes funny. It's like little snarky comments. I'm like the brass girls, I, I mean, I get the mute. I get why maybe people be mad about the mutes because like, I feel like it's nothing but jokes. Like, I feel like y'all just are very unserious people back there. Like, yeah. Maybe that's why the mutes thing be triggering to some conductors. Yeah. If it's a product of unseriousness, I can definitely see that. But like, I also know who it was and like, she was very much like that. Mm-hmm. So I felt really bad. I felt bad for her. Yeah. But what can you do? Um yeah i have um one more i think um piece of news so basically they not basically they announced the pulitzer prize winners um the other day and the pulitzer prize for music went to uh rhiannon giddens and michael abels for omar um we had we talked about omar in an episode a while ago um but what i found the most interesting about this is that when like so the pulitzer prize like twitter account will like tweet out each prize winner um and it says their tweet for this it says congratulations to rihanna giddens michael abels and spoleto festival because spoleto did the premiere of omar and i was like wait a minute now we have now we have Pulitzer winner. Katie Katie was in the orchestra. Katie is a Pulitzer Prize winner. Everybody, give it up! Woo, I need a freaking what's that board where you could do the the applause? The woo. we do not. First of all, we do not need. Pew, 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 pew. Yes, <laughs> let's get one of those. Secondly. Do you stretch? Did you stretch before that? Like that's crazy. It literally says it in the the official Pulitzer. See, and we got a camera now. People can see. We got a camera now. It say it on the Pulitzer. I brought it up and I bookmarked it. See that bookmark? I bookmarked it. It say it right there. 
to the people that made the freaking opera, Rhiannon Giddings, Michael Edwards, and Spoleto Festival. And so the Spoleto Festival, for what? Because they premiered it. And who was in the orchestra? Yeah, with 70 other mix. Right. And, and right. <laughs> the episode comes out a little later. <laughs> um, what was I about to say? Yeah. And they are all Pulitzer Prize winners, too, along with you. If you search me up on IMBD, nothing will come up. And thanks for reminding me so I can edit it. I'm going to put that with Pulitzer Prize winning hosts of Classically Black. Catherine Brown. I'm not even going to tennis because it's there's no there's no where this makes sense. Like there's no where. See if you process- should get see if you could get a certificate. Like how when somebody is placed on a Grammy recording, if they're not like a, one of the artists, they don't get a Grammy, but they get a, a Grammy certificate. See, listen, go get you your your Pulitzer certificate. She like I would even like I, you know I have like a thing about feeling like a fraud. If I if I actually contributed something to that orchestra, like. I, no, I'm being serious. I'm actually like, there, like there's a huge um, viola solo at the be uh, at the beginning. Shout out to um, shoot, let me. I forgot. I'm so sorry. That's crazy. But you know who it is. When I tell you that story, him, the one that you could not believe. Remember when I told you something happened and I, and you could not believe because it does not seem like real life. Okay, he was the viola I'm just forgetting I'm just forgetting his name mm-hmm. gosh great guy um so like there's a huge viola soul I think at the in several places actually Tyler Martin played principal you know I just I was I was just in there you know bow to string like I didn't right. like you know exactly. what I'm saying so like I didn't do anything empty. I didn't do anything to contribute like I was a wall of sound in comparison to what other people like okay. there was a, the, I think all principals were in a quartet at one point. Like I didn't contribute anything. Like okay. you can't, you a can't wall of listen sound to it and without it would be without you would have been a wall of sound with a hole in it. No, because there was also there was three stands of violas. Like I'm not even trying to be like deprecating. Like I did not contribute anything to it. I just showed up. You like, was an orchestra, so plus so a prize winner. What I'm saying is like like Tyler. Tyler should definitely go. You could hear him. Like he should go get that. But like I'm not gonna claim that. Like I do not like. I I do not like feeling like a fraud, and that would make me feel very fraudulent. They gonna be like, "Oh, you gotta pull it to the da," and then I'll be like, "Yeah," and they be like, "Well, what you do?" And I'll be like, "I was I did Omar. You you were in it? No, girl, I was in the orchestra. Like you see how <laughs> I thought Rihanna was light skinned. Like you know what I'm saying? So it's like a lot of stuff that like you didn't have to no. do a whole freaking skip. <laughs> <laughs> like no, nah. it's okay. It's not okay. Like. It's not. I'm just saying. I actually wouldn't even have said that if it was if it wasn't the actual account that posted at Spoleto Festival. Also, like I didn't even like like I didn't even con I didn't conduct it. You know, like I have nothing to claim. I was just there. Okay, I'm like, just claiming it on your behalf. Mm-mm. Okay, not. I'm go. <laughs> so you saying Pulitzer's wrong for tagging Spoleto? Then it's had Katie. They text, but I'm saying I didn't say you, you the sole thing. You was a part of it. Wouldn't be no prize to win if the orchestra hadn't played it. If I was not there, they would have still won that prize. I'm not saying you are the catalyst. You do the reason why they got the Felicer. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying you was there and you was playing. 
I'm not saying like you made or break. <laughs> you was the make Imagine. or break of the police. Sharp. Mm, no. I don't know. All right. Well, we tried in vain. All right. <laughs> Katie don't want to accept her because I'm not. I'm not. Um. It's okay. Thank you. No, not even thank you. Cause <laughs> meanwhile, I did. I literally didn't tell a lie. So, cause I you did didn't not tell say the truth either. I, I said you were on. The, I said you was. You played in the thing. Did you not play in the thing? I did play. See, okay. Katie played on a Pulitzer Prize winning opera. I think that's a better way to say it. Okay. That, yes, that happened. Can we move on? Is that all you got? At this point, yes, Katie. God bless it. Anyway, today we're talking about the writer's strike. And I thought it would be... So I've been following it closely because I'm interested in it. And I saw a picture on Quinta Brunson's uh, Instagram story. She was out there picketing and her sign said, AI cannot write. Tariq's raps which Abbott on Abbott on Abbott that booty big so I want to grab it period like it's so inappropriate it's so ridiculous like AI cannot do that so I thought we would bring our good friend chat GPT back I don't know which episode we did this at first because none of our episode titles mean anything um so I can't point you in a direction um but I thought we would bring this back and ask um chat GPT to write program notes for a piece of choice i have not picked my piece yet i will pick it in the next five seconds um and i want to do this because i asked chat gpt last week to write me a screenplay about a spy dolphin and it was very bad now to be fair i did not give it much to work with like what the hell is a spy dolphin however it was very bad um but the thing with ai was it will continue to get better and better and better but um so i'm gonna pick a piece um, okay, I'm gonna say write program notes for okay, the Rebecca Clark Sonata. Let me do something I actually know about. <coughs> I don't know anything about that Sonata. Okay, the Brahms. Viola. It's not how you spell Viola. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> the Browns Viola is not a number. Which one do I play? Two. Two. Number one's an F. I play B flat. She kind of spitting low key. <laughs> oh shoot! I feel like that's low key straightforward though. Especially it's like something that's like historical. She probably pulled that off of Wikipedia. Oh shoot! She kind of spit in. Okay. Well, you're you're. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> Program notes for Brahmsville is not a number two. 
Johannes Brahms, there's dates there, is renowned for his rich and expressive compositions that delve deep into emotional landscape, the emotional landscape of the Romantic era. His viola sonata number two in E flat major, opus 120, is a testament to his mastery of chamber music and profound understanding of the viola's lyrical qualities. Composed in 1894, the sonata stands as one of the most beloved works in the viola repertoire. The second the second uh, viola sonata is the last of Brahms' two sonatas dedicated to the viola written towards the end of his life. It was originally attended for clarinet, but the composer adapted it for the viola at the request of friend Reichard, mm-hmm, a clarinetist. The sonata... Mm-hmm, Reichard, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sonata showcases... That's where that comes from, like that. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See? That's Reichard's influence. The sonata showcases Brahms' remarkable ability to exploit interesting choice of words the unique characteristics and tonal palette of the viola okay and it goes into move by move and i won't read all this how does it start da, 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 da. okay let me see if i agree with this uh the first movement i'll do the first movement only the first movement marked allegro amabuye opens with a serene introspective melody presented by the viola introspective okay i feel like i'm being picky but <laughs> introspective <laughs> introspective what does that even mean like in relation to the last part though maybe the last part yeah but that's it like everything else before that was not introspection to me yeah but i mean like what is i feel like if you ask somebody to to explain what what they really mean by that with in music that's difficult to do. The The piano responds with a gentle accompaniment, which is not true. The piano plays exactly what I just played. Um, between the two instruments, the movements contrasting themes ranging from tender lyricism to more dramatic passages create a sense of emotional depth and introspection. There it is again. Mm-hmm. Brahms weaves together these contraction elements with masterful craftsmanship, leading the listeners on a journey of introspection <laughs> and contemplation. <laughs> I don't agree with that. I tried to I tried to defend you, girl, and then here you come talking Three about introspectrum, intro, introspection, like. Because I guess if like they meant like it was like inside a lot, but I don't view that movement as that. Like, I wouldn't describe it as that. I mean, but also, I'm one person. Um, and then the last pa- paragraph says Brahms Real Sonata Number Two is a work of profound beauty and emotional depth. Through its, see what I don't like, which I I'm curious to see how this will change. Well, let me finish. Uh, through its exquisite melodies, intricate interplay, and dramatic contrast, which is literally like any sonata ever written, Brahms reveals the viola's expressive capabilities and his own mastery as a composer. The sonata stands as a testament to enduring the power to the endearing power of chamber music and the viola's unique voice within the classical repertoire. So what I don't like about ChatGPT, which I'm curious to see how it will change. Like, I think we talked about this maybe a couple months ago, like maybe in a couple of years, like it does like that sandwich technique that you learn in fifth grade when you write your first episode, your first uh, essay. <laughs> write your first essay. <laughs> and it's like, it's just weird how they do that. Also, there's something like, I mean, how much do you expect from a robot? I don't know. But it's like, some of this stuff is just really vague. Like, um, you can't say that this was originally written for the clarinet and then says it reveals the viola's expressive capabilities. That I mean, I don't agree with that. And then um, 
this is not a sentence that's testament to the enduring power of chamber music. That's crazy. That's a ridiculous, ridiculous sentence to me. First of all, what power doesn't chamber music have? Why is it enduring? And what what is what does a viola play with this particular sonata? That's a yeah. That's that was my thinking about when it said like is it like something about the viola's expressive qualities, which I was like, but that's, that's not even what it was for like yeah and yeah that sandwich technique it makes it so easy to identify chat gpt mm-hmm. generated writing like i remember reading this somebody that i have told you about with the voice <laughs> oh wait they use it on a freaking or to write like a something on um linkedin i saw i was like that's so easily recognizable as chat gpt like i can immediately tell because it writes like it, it has like it, the structure is so obvious like yeah you can at least edit it I'm, and so many people right. use it like in class i've seen like and especially the writing is not really good and i feel like I, that's why i said I, it's, it's always a start like um like i think about like google maps now can tell you like when it's a better time to leave like at this time you know what i'm saying like technology always gets better and i think we talked about this the last time but to me chat gpt is like says a lot of nothing like it just says like a bunch of stuff that i mean like i guess like at first glance i was like oh she kind of spitting like i didn't expect it to be like movement by movement i didn't know what i expected but like it just doesn't the words don't mean anything it's like a conglomerate of like what it found on the internet about the sonata yeah anyway which piece you got are you deciding on you said what what piece you decide on I'm gonna ask what I wonder what she want because I literally pulled up oh I think maybe I have it in another um, tab yeah okay so I'm just asking for program notes yeah okay I said like write program notes about Okay, I'm gonna try. I'll oh, say four. We don't know if that makes a difference. You said what? I said four. I don't know if that makes a difference. Write four program. I said like I said write program notes for four. not write program oh, okay. notes about. Okay, right. I don't know if that makes a difference. Not Miss Girl with her introspection. So <laughs> I'm gonna try Mishek Sonata number two. Who? That's why. I mean Mishek. That one is. It's hard. It's one of the it's one of our few sonatas, or really the only one I can think of that's like that's like a sonata like that y'all would have. Like you know y'all got real stuff. <laughs> like mm-hmm. um Ah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, and like how our concertos are like so are like shorter than y'all's and all that type of stuff. Like Mishek is like that, but like it, it's not like that. Like if we were it's if we had a sonata that was like comparable in like I think virtuosity and length and like all of that, but to Okay. Now y'all see me how I be struggling over. <laughs> Not everything more embarrassing. Okay. Okay. Let's see if what, what she gonna say. Cause I don't. To be fair, I don't know nothing about this piece, but I've heard it a million times. So. Let's see if it's introspective we should have made it do something that it don't know nothing about like give me predictions for renaissance the renaissance tour 
see like because I think it takes stuff from the internet so it's like Oh no, they got the freaking um they got his check name spelling, which I didn't even know about. Okay. Fine then. Um, okay, so it has a date of composition, nineteen oh two. Um, okay. It says his Anglo Sox name is Franz Mishek. Um, a Czech composer and double bass virtuoso is best known for his significant contributions to the repertoire of double bass. Are they significant? I only know of two sonatas. But maybe I'm... What's his name? Meshach? Mm-hmm. Like Shadrach Meshach? Like that? Spelled M- that way? M-I-S-E-K. Nope. Um, I don't know. But maybe he has other stuff I don't know about. And and actually, I, don't hear, I hardly hear anybody playing these sonatas. And when I do, it's number two. Um, I've heard of people playing number one, but not really. It's, it's not really, I feel like we're going to play a bunch of sonatas, period, because we don't have any. Um, okay, he's based on a number two, composed in 1902, stands as a remarkable example of Mishak's ability to showcase the expressive potential and technical brilliance of the instrument. That's very true. That's very true. That, that Sadana has a range, like, that I feel like people don't, people don't know the bass can do. Um, it consists of three movements, um, Allegro Maestoso, the opening movement marked Allegro Maestoso immediately captures the listener's attention with its commanding and majestic character. Is that the first movement? I thought, I got called Foco. Yeah. Am I the wrong one? That actually oh, sounds... This is, a, this is Adolf Meshach, never mind. Two Meshacks? That can't be a possibility. Now that you're thinking, now that you're saying that, I was like, I feel like Franz sound weird. Is it? I think his first name is Adolf. Oh, so what? So, so Chad G, Okay. Not too much. First of all, not there, too freaking much on me because I've never played the Sonata, uh, so y'all don't. <laughs> no comfort. But I'm saying that's interesting how you wrote a whole thing on some imaginary composer. Like that's how would you? I looked it up. That's why I looked it up like I just, um, I just, um, like held, like, you know, you, you can like press and hold something and like look it up to look up his, his check name. Cause I've never heard that name before. Um, oh, that's why you said Franz must be his, uh, yeah, that's why I said that. Cause I was like, I've never uh, seen that name before. Um, yeah. Now who was he talking about? Majestic, yeah, because Adolf is definitely this is the one I'm talking about. Y'all read Tenorquist? I know that. Did I know that? Hmm. Oh, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. That's what I thought. And then I'm like, let me look at the year because I was like 1902. I mean, that does fit within Mishek's dates, but I was like, hmm. Oh, this is not a look kind of fun, low key. Joe, come play this. Let me hear it. Now I'm this look hard. Well, it's, this is high. Yeah. Now I'm a little confused. See, not too much on me, but like, now I'm confused because that's why cause she lying. Because how you? I'm trying to figure out if the person that they're talking about is is for real a person. Because what are, what are the odds that there's another Meshach that's that's a base 
that has written a bass sonata. Because when Franz, I did Franz Meshach, like literally nothing came up. It was like, I think I spelled Meshach wrong too, but it was like weird stuff. Yeah, everything comes up. Adolf. That's interesting. Okay, so let's see what else it made up. Because <laughs> I'm over here, that's true. That's true. Because that does fit with it, though. But that's very generic. Like, say, okay, the expressive potential and technical brilliance of the instrument. Like, yeah, it's an expressive and technical sonata. But like you mm-hmm. said, with the dramatic contrast, that's something that the sonata does. It has more technical movements, and it also has dramatic so Literally, that's, that's the formula, babe. Like, how it's supposed to go. <laughs> um, okay, so Allegro Maestoso... It literally made up movements. why I th- yeah why I thought about that because my Soso doesn't give Allegro does but Allegro gives a lot of stuff but my Soso doesn't give the vibe of the movement like and it's not majestic I don't think it says the double bass introduces the main theme a lyrical and sweeping melody <laughs> she made this up that's crazy which is you're which, making this up which is developed and embellished throughout the movement this is really giving like seventh grade orchestra essay you made this up <laughs> what that's amazing because she almost got me because i was like i was like girl you know what you're talking about because <laughs> historically like i know this is not a well i've heard it a million times but like not historically so i was gonna i was gonna take your word for it um it says the piano provides a rich harmonic backdrop interweaving with the soloist in a spirited dialogue the movement showcases i'm gonna look up his his what's the name his check name because it, it keeps spelling it differently but Mishak's um deep understanding of the double bass's capabilities exploring its sonorous lower register and nimble agility in the higher range i mean from what i saw that look right the notes was high and another thing i just noticed that i should have came off that's why i also hesitated but i was like see i need to be more skeptical because i was like the mishak sonata has four movements this is three mm-hmm. she literally made it she's like sonata bed three movements also, what was the dates? Oh, here it goes. The second movement, Mark Dandante, offers a contrasting atmosphere of introspection. Oh, that's the word lyricism. I wonder how many see now we gotta do a now we gotta do a survey of we gotta do a survey of pro- program notes that are available online and how many times they use introspection. Because why does that keep coming up? Yeah. That'd be an impossible feat, but I'm just saying, like, there have you're getting that from somewhere, yeah. I don't want to know a piece I know a little better, but I mean, a piece that exists because I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna search the check name and see if I can find this person because I'm like, where are you getting all of this from? It'd be different if, if it had those like generic sentences, like not organized by movement and like had a publishing gear like that maybe it found those details separately and thinks that they're all the same thing 
because I just asked them about. Oh, here we go introspective again. What's Not in this. I just asked another introspect. I just asked it about um, asked it about Hindemith Sonata. Mm. Everybody's not introspective, babe. Like you gotta pack it up. So this one I know exists. I know that the one that they're talking about exists. Nineteen forty nine. It says Paul Hindemith, a renowned German composer um, of the twentieth century, was known for his innovative and distinctive musical language. His bass sonata, composed in nineteen forty nine, stands as a significant contribution to the double bass repertoire. I mean, it literally anything is at this point. Exploring. Okay. <laughs> I mean, when I hit up my viola repertoire too, I was like, literally any lowly piece of music will be <laughs> like any, any doodle scribbled onto a napkin. I was about to contribute. say, I could twerk on a string. That's a significant contribution. <laughs> like, if they said about violin, we would have like more of a the more things to talk about. It says exploring the instrument's technical capabilities and expressive range, just like the last one. <laughs> And since the like, sonata comprises of four movements, not really. It's it's like it's three. It's really three movements, and there's like a like a little thing in the in the third movement, but that's not another movement. So yeah. So count your freaking days. Pack it up. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm curious. I'm gonna check back in to see like if it gets better. What do they think? And then these movements are not divvied up the correct way at all. Hmm. What do you mean? It thinks so. It thinks something in the. I think it's. I was assuming that it was splitting the third movement into two movements, but by the hmm. looks of this, it has to be splitting the first movement, which is weird because the third movement is by far the longest. But none of them are all that long. But it says the second movement is calm and simple. And it has a contrasting atmosphere of tranquility and simplicity. The second movement is a scherzo. It's it's very fast. It's very fast. It's like it's like a minute and a half long because it's so fast. Like <laughs> you gotta find peace in the storm. So it's a it's really it's really a word for you. It says it explores the instrument's expressive capabilities, allowing the double bass to sing with a melodic line that unfolds gently against the piano's delicate accompaniment. I want to play this for y'all. <laughs> That's not what it sounds like at all. The expressive. Okay. Um. Okay, I'm I'm gonna read read what that says again so y'all can y'all can hear what it says about the melody in this movement it says um tranquility and simplicity it says it explores the expressive capabilities allowing the double bass to sing with a melodic line that unfolds gently under or against the piano's delicate accompaniment now this don't sound like none of that hold on it's a um An ad, but okay.
What about that is gentle? <laughs> so you rocking your baby to sleep, you hear like Okay. Okay, Miss Gibbetta. Okay. I don't know how the girls on Patreon heard that, but um I know the people who are listening normally heard that, but I did it kinda cut in and out. But I did hear the so Oh, I hope they did. I mean, because I'm recording into the mic, so hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, like, the Zoom is fine. But, I mean, listen, if you write program notes, you got job security. I wouldn't worry. For now. For now. Right. But, I mean, you really could. You really could. But also, I feel like, also, like, the one time I wrote program notes, my main edits were, like, you have to rewrite this because of... Did I get edits? I don't remember. But, anyway... Either what my edits were or what I was told after, it's like the way you have to write them. Like I, I would never expect to see that in a program. Like it's all incredibly vague. It tells you nothing about the piece. It tells you nothing. It doesn't tell you what to listen for. It doesn't tell you anything. So you got job security. Don't worry, girl. Right. I was going to ask you something else complicated, but I I forgot about ChatGPT low key because everybody been. But like talking about um just all the different types of AI, just crazy stuff. There's one that I feel like we could have fun with on Classically Black, like on IG, but it's one that you could like give it a picture and like it will animate it for you. And people was doing that with the answers. So I'm like, I feel like I don't want to play with that kind of energy. Yeah, I'm I'm okay. Cause at first I was like, oh, I put a picture of my. It's like I have a favorite picture of my grandpa. And I was like, but I don't know if I want to play with that. Because I feel like, I, I I like, I really resonate with that whole, like, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. Like, I don't, I'm, like, somewhere in between. Like, I don't want, like, I don't want his spirit, like, around, like I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to play with it. Yeah. Like, now he moving. Now I wake up and he's standing there. Mm, I don't know. Okay. Or stuff start rattling in the middle of the night. Like, I don't want to call that in. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but it'll be cool to see, like, that again. But also, like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to let that stay. But I want to figure out what that is. We could do something funny with, like, composers or something. And, like, they were saying, like, Fran was saying how her friend be, like, doing it with his baby pictures. And, like, be having it, like, having his baby pictures, like, rap, like, lyrics and stuff. I think that would be his potential there. Inappropriate, but... Potential. Okay, us. Oh, okay, us having, um... That stuff that Tchaikovsky said about Brahms, can't him doing this, saying this to his face. See, that'd be kind of funny. That'd be tea. Period. See, it's so much. We could do so much inappropriate. Real house husbands of Russia. We could do real, you know, like funny stuff with that. <laughs> okay. Period. Stay tuned. Um, <laughs> if I had the capacity, meanwhile. I've been collecting this. So All right. Don't. I'm on a break, but that's about to end by force. All right. <laughs> well, we moving on. Yep. Cool. So as we said before, the girls are striking. Um, WJ East and West are striking. They've been striking for a minute now. They started. They, they went on strike May first, I think. And we're going to talk about um, 
we're going to talk about the strike and how some of the ideas apply to classical music because this is indeed classically black podcast i know that's confusing sometimes um so i thought we could start by talking about like what are they striking about and i've been privy to a lot of information because obviously the writers writers honestly have time now so Francesca Ramsey notably I've been following she's breaking down a lot she's out there protesting and or uh, picketing I guess and kind of on the ground and there's like four overarching things there are it's more detailed um I don't know if we could put like a gift link to New York Times I think they did did a nice um breakdown they also linked um articles to like the Hollywood Reporter did a really the uh, Hollywood Reporter did an, a better like in depth breakdown of like what what the what the union said and then what was said back by producers and stuff like that. But basically, there's like four main areas. The first one is that um, they want regulation of AI. The second one is that they want writers to be paid more in in general. Which um, I'm, these are not in particular order because I think the first one will be more important. But they want writers to be paid more, um, specifically like how they're paid. So like writers often aren't like they might write a series, but they're not invited to set, which is weird to me because at least like years, ago, uh, maybe a decade ago, you would want a writer to be on set because if something does not work, you want them to rewrite it because actors are not writers. Um, and like even though I'm thinking because I did like a lot of like deep dive into like the office and as much as like a lot of stuff was improv most things most things are written by a writer they might do like I know like Michael Schur when he was doing Parks and Rec like they might they, they'll do a thing where like at the end of their filming a scene they'll be like okay just do whatever you want and they might take something from that but most of the times everything you laugh at everything you love has been written by a writer um so they want they want to be able to have writers to go to set they want we have all that stuff the second the third thing is the regulation of the mini room so netflix does a thing where like they'll get like a team of a small team of writers let's just say for argument's sake like five and before a show gets picked up or greenlit they'll write the entire series if the show doesn't get picked up they use it as an opportunity to be like well we're not paying you more than that so sorry and then if the show does get picked up they'll use even less writers because we don't need all these writers if we already have the whole series we already have the whole season so we don't need y'all so um there's that and then the last one i forgot let me see if i can remember it um it might have been i might have combined the streaming streaming thank you residuals um residuals are a huge issue because there's no um there's writers get like literally no residuals or almost no residuals for streaming um which is a huge problem because especially like how much streaming has changed and i feel the last they they negotiate a new contract every three years okay well three years ago there was a pandemic like think about how much streaming has changed like since the starting of the pandemic and even before then so um there's there's no residuals or very little residuals for um for streaming and so they're trying to regulate that. And basically, almost everything has been pushed back. To, there's a, the acronym. I'm trying to find the acronym for the motion picture producer thing. Let me let me find it. Um, but they've pushed back on nearly everything. Some of them was, like, okay. Because, um, like, when it came to regulation of AI, for example, they had, like, 
they had like no um rebuttal for it because they were like we'll talk about it later which writers are saying well they did that with the internet too because when the internet started to become like an issue they were like we need to talk about the internet and how it's going to affect writing and the writers were like we'll talk about it later and that kind of reminded me of classrooms a little bit like y'all wait till something for something to be a problem before it is a problem and like chat gpt might not be writing nothing now but like give it some time like it probably could write um something so and also chat gpt is the free ai that's available to us not the ai right. that they gonna have at sony pictures entertainment and stuff like right. that right so like See. and I, they can put money into developing their own ai like that when i saw i sent you that like will take footage from multiple camera angles and like stitch it together in its own thing in like 30 seconds like some of these ais can do a lot of crazy stuff yeah so i feel like they got the money to have an ai that will be writing some scripts and and them owning the previous scripts too like when we think about what chat gpt has to go off of it's like stuff on the internet if they can feed them actual scripts of popular shows then like Mm -hmm. They, I feel like they, they AI could do actually do something that's gonna put writers in a bad place. And I, I just think like when I think maybe because I'm like maybe this is like my millennial showing through like I just don't see a way like someone will have to like explain to me like a five I just do not see a way. And like I think of some of like the best moments like there's no way AI could come up with that like when you think about like some of the best moments in tv like you think ai could write broken pussy like that's such a that's such a like distinct thing like it's so, you know what i'm saying like there's like of course like ai could write a rap like okay like i love Prince of brunson if you gave like the whole funny thing about Tariq is that he's a bad rapper i'm sure ai would do a really great job of writing bad raps you know but it's like this is bad funny certain, and this is just bad yeah that's another thing so it's like I'm sure like the overall framework might be able to might be able to be written by AI. But when you think about like the intricate, funny, special moments that happen in TV in general, or, or I'm talking about comedy, but I guess like or even in drama, like intricate like special moments, I, I just don't see a world where that could be generated. Like, like come on, like when freaking when freaking Dwight and um. Michael and Jim went to the Utica branch to go break the copier and like that whole thing with them sitting on the couch in front of a Karen with the mustaches on like you can't I'm sorry like that that's crazy to me survivor man when he was out in the wilderness like come on like there's certain things like I'm gonna have to see with my own I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to be an old head on this one like I'm gonna have to see with my own two head like two eyes like not two head shut up but I'm just like I just don't see like the same thing like could AI write an orchestra piece? Yeah, but it's like maybe well, nothing because they have some AI that does it, something like that. I want to see that should be something we see. If we should see if we could get our hands on it because didn't they finish like a Beethoven symphony with AI? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should see if we could get our hands on some AI composing technology. Okay, I mean I might complain a little sonata based on what. Also, I really think like America has a problem with make a very good mm-hmm. Allegra movement. Dun, 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 yeah, don't play with it. 
Yeah, actually, <laughs> I will play that. I would definitely, that like, would be so good as a st- string orchestra specifically. I feel like that would be really good with string orchestra. But yeah, um, I was thinking that same thing, Singy. Um, but I feel like that's, I feel like that's different though. Like if, I, if I played, if I gave the charts or wrote out the melody line of America Has a Problem and I gave it to a software, like I feel like it could it could like write like write me something because there is Loki there is already a I was already using AI in in when I was teaching public school now that I remember it because there's this like uh I don't remember the name of it but there is this software that um would generate um music like I would be like I want um eight measures in this key using at this difficulty you could like pick like I want eighth notes. I want dotted quarter notes, whatever. And I will make my kids like do that a couple times a week to sight read because these kids were like not reading when I got there. So like that's already technology. So and that was in 2016. So now it has to be something where if I gave you a melody line like come through like through composes or whatever, like that might be. Hopefully, and then you take a, a maybe, but I still feel like a composer would have to go through and make it not sound thin or not make you know like. Which I think is what they were going to do with the AI. I feel like I read something that was like they would have AI writing the bulk of the scripts and then like mm, hire less writers but to just come in and like work from the AI script. It's just it's like insulting actually when you think about it. Like you practice your craft as a writer and you want, you want me to come like fix this? Like I don't know. That's weird to me. Yeah, but there's there's like when we when we look at the, the bare bones of it all, like there's not much that's like specific to um that can be like an overlap to classical music, like they're on opposite ends. But I think like uh, one thing we're talking about AI, but also like the idea of like having a living wage, and I think this sparked a lot of controversy because like writers like it, like you can look up a writer's wage right like you can look up and it'll be like depending on like your level like if, if you are a staff writer versus like a showrunner like you can get like you can get like five thousand dollars a week as a writer however if you get five thousand a week and you only work you, you if you get five thousand a week and you only work for 10 weeks and you live in la like what what the hell you can do a 50k a week and so people but people are so like oh, that i mean <laughs> hold on now i mean but 50k like a year and it's like i'm not saying i make yeah i'm not saying whatever all i'm saying is like you have to think about it in its context and i think that's what makes me so one of the main things that makes me so irritated about the internet in general like a lot of y'all are just very dumb like 50k a week and then also writers don't often like don't get all of that because you have to have like I was watching like a video like you have to have a, a manager who's going to get you your next job like they're the ones who are sending your scripts off they're the ones like doing all that stuff you have to get another job like right away and that's hard to do because there's like 11,000 writers who are also trying to write and I was trying to do the thing so if you don't get on another show when you're done with your first show you kind of SOL and I know it's hard to see somebody making 50k and be like well damn I'm gonna make 50k 
but it's also like when you put it in context you think about like how exclusive like being a writer is how much work went into it that low-key do remind me of um being like an orchestral musician like the way like an orchestral musician is like you're regarded as like being like the top the top end of the of the talent in classical music like you have completely mastered your instrument in a way that is extremely um consistent at a high level and you take an orchestral audition and that the orchestra is paying you 25k to play like how does that how will that pay your student loans back when you went to school like how will that how is that a living wage you have to do other things like when you you put all these conversations in, in context it's like it's not enough money like it's just not enough money yeah and then in comparison to what other people are getting paid and if you're writing on a show that's a hit and you're only making 50k like that like i'm sorry it's just not it's just not fair you got actors guess that's getting paid six figures an episode like imagine you're like nah because the amount of money that some people get paid for these um for these shows like people should not be begging for pennies and and residuals yeah and it's expensive and you just like you have to live here you have to yeah. be in la and it's so expensive like people should not people pay, struggling to pay their bills like i mean it's a lot of people struggling to pay their bills and so a lot of people probably about to be on strike mm-hmm. like i don't know i feel like I, that whole like living wage thing is yeah is a, is a pattern because like we've covered a, a couple of orchestra strikes chicago i think was 2020 san antonio disbanded at the end of their strike which is whew. and then i read that the minnesota opera is apparently went on strike recently oh, which i hadn't heard of at all mm-hmm. but um yeah and i feel like all of that is always over pay disputes because of course there's a lot less like moving parts in and yeah um and then usually like insurance and and stuff like that is in play too in retirement stuff um yeah that's just messed up yeah i mean and they i was reading in a couple of new york times new york times i like, did a couple of articles on it. i mean everyone's talking about it but um they're basically saying that the end is not in in, in sight for now and like you might not notice many changes in general for now like especially like when it comes to the movie side like you won't notice anything um this year because all those movies have either already been shot they're already um they're already post-production or they've already been written so you don't have to like you won't see anything there but if they don't wrap it up i mean that's and figure it out what would you say no go ahead Oh, I was just gonna say that's what people are saying. Even though stuff that's been written, like y'all still need somebody to for rewrites. Yeah, that's another thing. But like they like the last one at lasted a hundred days, so they better. That's what's so funny to me. Like this whole thing really made me think of like when I think about an orchestra strike and like how musicians are just asking for better pay and insurance. It's like I think. They're, like the whole like grand delusion of it all when you when you are a ceo like no one's coming to watch you 
sit on a stage and be a CEO. Like they're coming to see the musicians. Like they're coming to hear the music. Like all the people who are making the most money at an orchestra, like aren't even like doing any of the thing that or- things that an orchestra does. Like it's it's so interesting to me. And it's like like you have nothing without the right. Like you have the, you have no writers. You have no story. So it's like all the actors who get all the money, all the execs that get all the money. It's like there's nothing to act. There's nothing to to listen to if there's no writers. And it's like those people, it's so interesting how like the people who are actually doing the movement don't get the most money. Like it's real. I mean, I think like the writers and actors thing that that's a little bit closer than they're more closely related to to getting a product out versus like musicians and um executives that's not what i'm looking for but administrators uh, administrators like actors and writers are more related than musicians and administrators are but i think the the point still stands that like the people who are doing the heavy lifting like are always seem to always be the ones who get like slighted the most yeah it's hard to it's hard to say with orchestras because i feel like there's less like it feels like there's just two parties yeah definitely you know and and with yeah. in like with entertainment it's like there's producers it's writers it's directors it's like yeah all, all of that and then it depends i feel like it depends on um obviously like the orchestra and the size because i'm thinking like of course i'm the most familiar with like la field and the structure and all that type of stuff um because also most of this is, is public if you want to know what the highest paid members of the la field make and the most and their key employees make you can just look it up um because it's public information and for them i mean like gustavo gets paid the most and then the ceo and the concert master get paid similarly mm-hmm. um and then I think their principal horn is somewhere up there too. But then that's also like, you don't know, like there's different criteria of like what you include on that tax form. So at least they have a little bit more transparency in that way. You can't see what everybody makes, but you can see what people at the top make. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I feel like that scale is also different in other orchestras that I've seen where the CEO's um, salary is not, um at, you know it's just not as high or it's just not um in the same like or like even the music director is not paid so much more than everyone else which but obviously Gustavo's a celebrity so it's a little different situation mm-hmm. but um yeah yeah I feel like also this ties into our, like, our last point about like just being like general greed at the top like there was the New York Times talked about this dude this writer that like went um who was highlighted in one of the articles because he was like he was beating on buckets like he was drumming on buckets he was like all we wanted to drop in the bucket like when you think about like how much money they want versus like how much the top the top like I forgot the the chart I saw like how much money but it's a crazy amount of money these people are making like millions and millions and millions of dollars and it's like I don't I mean I've never been rich but like I just feel like I just don't I can't understand maybe that's why I can't understand like why this is such a debate you know like 
Especially when you're still going to be rich. Like, and, and very rich. I just don't understand. There's, the Hollywood Reporter had, I'm going to see if I can try to find it. They had, like, exact numbers about, like, um, about what they were asking for versus, like, what, what the, here, what the writers were asking for versus what the, um, One day I'm gonna know the name of this. They're the people. Um, let me see if I can find it. Do do. Okay, they they made it a post, but okay, here it is. Okay, so the first one. The thing I was talking about before is called the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Um. Oh, the AMPTP. Yeah. Okay, so the WGA, what I was saying earlier, like they want to preserve writers' rooms with a proposal of a minimum of six writers per room. And then, um, and that number growing as the episode order does with one additional staffer added for every two episodes with a maximum of 12 people per room. And there was also some things talking about how they wanted at least, they wanted three weeks per episode as opposed to one. Um, okay, the WGA said its proposals will get, gain writers an estimate of 429 million per year. And the AMPTP offer um, coming at 86 million. That's crazy to me, that is so, that's crazy to me. Yeah, I would be interested to see like an orchestra on another scale because, like, obviously in LA, feel everybody get paid well. So, mm-hmm. like, your base salary is just you know in the high hundreds of thousands of dollars, hundred thousand dollars, like close to two hundred at this point, probably like one eighty something for and base a, salary for the LA Phil. That's to Columbus. Columbus base salary was like forty thousand. Base salary, sorry, as a as a musician, mm-hmm. by the way. <laughs> right over here on the on the west side looking for a job. Not in the <laughs> right, let me let me not let in me the offices. What y'all talking about? <laughs> Gotta get on stage first. <laughs> I mean I I mean like I feel I feel solidarity with the writers, like just in general as a person who um uh, enjoys television mm-hmm. and just like as um solidarity solidarity as a creator a creative like and as an artist like in that in that space because like constantly having to advocate being paid well as a creative you are you two are a creative like what is going on what is all going i on? did was I'm no you're not no <laughs> I'm just you spitting. First of all, people can Keep see going. now. Feeling solidarity because I think there's like this whole like gratitude people expect you to have as a creative person because you're doing like what you love. Yeah. And like while that is true, like literally like at the end of Tasco is five, like 
one of the nights I, was, I had to smile I'm like this is freaking cool first of all it's so loud you know I love loud stuff to go see how my hearing fares my the end of the shots coming five is so loud I'm like this is so freaking cool the last time I played this I could barely get through it in high school and like 12 years later I'm literally playing this with a professional orchestra like I would have never guessed like this is so freaking cool I do have moments like that where I'm incredibly grateful to like my for my path and whatever but overall I have to pay my rent like that's like I have to save I have to live like um I think there's like this expectation that because like you're a screenwriter because you're an actor because you're a ballet dancer because you're a violist like you should just be grateful to your art and it's like nah like yeah but nah like yeah nah exposure and all that type of stuff right I feel like people they feel like you should they don't respect the craft because they feel like oh not everybody gets to do that y'all can't do it so like why are y'all trying to act like oh you're doing this because uh, some type of whatever was robbed was robbed from you like yes of course there's it's expensive to follow a dream it's risky to follow a dream if you don't come from money and like that type of stuff but like it's also it's also harder to achieve it if you don't have that support and which means you worked really hard to get to where you are and you deserve to get paid for it Mm -hmm. so this one writer was like i had to ask my parents for help with rent i was like i look at that no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding it's like it's bad out here that's how i be trying to explain to people my mom be like but you have to I'm like girl everybody in their freaking mama is wiping their booty with a master's degree these days like I'm telling you like it's really it's hard out here like I feel so bad like I felt so this is a moment of transparency so I follow this creator who I love on TikTok and so she tweeted she was like she went to Columbia um if you're chronically online you might know who I'm talking about and I she like I did it I graduated I'm done with school forever and I was like that's it why was that my re- that was my first reaction like my first reaction was that's it because it's like and of course like that's ridiculous like you went to Columbia University you're incredibly smart like that should be yes that should be but it's like oh girl I thought you said something about law school like <laughs> well she probably changed her mind when her when her t- her TikTok sustains her so I mean from what I've seen everybody I don't, I don't know this girl um but yeah everybody got a master's degree it's required and especially like as a black woman like that's what we a dime a dozen like everybody I don't I don't know many black women without two, multiple degrees like outside of my family I would say mm-hmm. a lot of people in my family only got one degree but also a different generation I would say yeah. let me say this I don't know black women around my age that only have um one degree and that's no that's no shade that's just like that's what we up against like yeah and we are like literally like statistically i think the most educated group like it's just well well let us know your thoughts and guess what i don't have a black excellence so and i just realized that so um Talk among yourselves. Y'all heard of here for no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, I wonder who the one you're talking about today. Girl, what <laughs> I realized it's an odd episode. That's me. I should do Carisha. I mean, oh, it has to be music. Uh, well, 
Okay. And that's my classical music, so. Could be yourself if you would accept your Pulitzer. Hurt me? I don't understand what she's trying to, what she's trying to ignore me. I'm trying to find a black excellence. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the first thing. I'm going through my screenshots and ignoring you. Because I did not win a Pulitzer. You say Pulitzer or Pulitzer? I said Pulitzer. That's why I should never listen to Dustin Ross. Because he, he be saying. Well, we all know what you say. A Pulitzer. What? We all know you. Little, I'm what odd with the things that you say. Okay, <laughs> I won that game fair and square. You didn't. Okay, no, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. Find your yeah. Cause we fool around. This will be the first and last post on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, all I'm saying. Have we done her? Okay. Yes. Let's a little. <gasps> well, you know what? We move. Oh, my internet's slowing down. Okay, let me check my notes. See, we've done her. Oh, it's so close to not having to worry about my battery. I was like, oh, we ended just on time. So. Oh, we about to run out? Yeah, we. I mean, Patreon is seeing all this. But I feel like we did do her. But Girl, like, we, gotta do, we gotta do somebody. <laughs> She's not coming up in my notes. Okay, real quick, let me try. Let me try one more time because my, my phone be finicky. Hey. <coughs> All right, y'all, it's time for Black Excellence where we hype you up, gas you up, and give you your props because there's room for everyone at the top. This week, I'm talking about Dr. Vernell A. Bennett Fairs. Dr. Vernell Bennett Fairs. Oop, my bad. Vernell Bennett Ferris began her tenure as the 13th president of Lemoyne Owen College on January 5th, 2021. She is the second woman to be chosen to lead the only historic black college in Memphis, Tennessee. Her career spans 26 years in higher education. She's a trained vocalist and orator who has served as an occasion as an associate professor and college administrator. However, most of her cherished role has been that of a student advocate. Um, she previously served as vice president for student affairs at delta state um university so I'll, she's a native of lorraine ohio and began her post-secondary career at kentucky state university um and yeah i'll go ahead and link her bio um, i went to an event and she was there and i wanted to speak to with her but didn't get a chance but shout out to her um she received her bachelor's of music and vocal performance at fisk university okay Master's of Arts in Vocal Performance from Eastern Michigan University and Doctor of Education 
in administration uh, from the University of Kentucky. So shout out to you, Dr. Burnett Fairs. Shout out to Memphis, Maine. Yeah. Got a piece of the week? Yep. Um, my piece of the week is the Clara Schumann piano, con- not concerto, piano trio in G minor. Yep. Thank you so much for listening to Classically Black Podcast. Thank you, Patreon. Don't forget to follow us <laughs> on social media at Classically Black Podcast. If you have a piece of the week suggestion, a black ex suggestion, or an intimate suggestion, send it to Classically Black Podcast at gmail.com. If you feel left out, join us on Patreon. It's going to offer the link in the description right at the top. Yeah. Period. Join us, in, join us in the Ebony Tower or right. look up from the ground. Um, if you're black, join ISBM. <laughs> it's free. That's free. ISBM is free. And you get what you pay for. So. <laughs> nah, not too much on ISBM. We 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 working. Not too much. Not too much on ISBM. Okay. Isblackmusicians.com at isblackmusicians on social media. Thank you for um joining us. Thank you, Patreon. And we'll see y'all next week. Bye, Love y'all. you, Patreon. Bye, Patreon. Okay. <laughs>